Thank you, James. Morning, guys. Well, it's been an amazing morning so far. Our worship's been fantastic. It's been fun to be with you guys. Thanks for being here today. I'm going to ask you ushers to come now. We're going to take our morning offering. If you're a guest today or visiting East Point, don't feel obligated to give, but if this is your church home, give to support what God is doing here. And I want to just give you a, a latest update. I mentioned last week, there are about nine, ten thousand dollars $10,000 behind yet on our, the gift offering to finish up the remodel. You might have noticed we started it uh, this last week. And uh, we're like $1,500 short right now. So I just, you guys have stood up, continue to step up and help us uh, with this project. I just want to say thank you and celebrate your goodness. And it's going to be fun to see the coffee bar when it's all done and set up. Um, I'm going to uh, talk today about life on mission. We're in part four of our series. And today, uh, the title of this message is Grow Up. Now, for some of us, that's a negative phrase. I get that. I understand. I Believe me, the first time uh, I heard that was very painful. I was uh, fourth grade. It was in Abilene, Texas, and it was a little girl named Susie Jane who told me to grow up, and the reason she did that, justifiably so, is because I was that kid in class. If you're a teacher, you know what I mean. Oh, he was one of those boys. I was always getting in trouble, always, uh, I'm sure it would have been interesting to read the, the notes that teachers wrote about me from year to year, you know, watch this kid, put him in the front row, troublemaker, you know, broken family, messed up home, whatever. I'm sure they would have had their eye on me. But uh, this particular class, uh, I was attracted to this little girl, fourth grade, I started early, and she was uh, young and beautiful in my mind, and I, you know what little boys do, fourth grade boys, when they like a girl? They hurt, hurt her, hit her, tease her, do something. So I had a pencil in my hand, and I threw it at Susie, and it stuck in the back of her arm, seriously. And so she turned around, very mad, very upset, very hurt, as you can understand why, and she said, grow up, boobna, and that was one of those memories that I have yet to get over in my life, but I'm still working through. Sometimes for us, we hear the phrase grow up, and it's a bad thing. I want you to hear the term grow up today and see it as a really good thing. It's a, it's a positive thing. God wants you to grow. It's because he wants you to become the man or woman that he has destined you to become. A few years ago, a couple came to me. It was after service, and they said, Pastor Kurt, can we, uh, can we talk? And I said, sure. And I want to talk now. They said, no, we'd like to make an appointment. I said, that's fine. That's good. So uh, they called the office, set up a time to come and meet with me. And when they stepped in my office a few days later, I could tell that uh, it was going to be one of those appointments, and, and it was tense. And the first thing they said was, we just want to thank you for being such a great pastor and for loving us and caring for us, and you've really been, uh, you know, amazing. Thank you for that. But then they said, but we're leaving East Point because we just aren't getting fed here anymore. And I knew this couple. They've been with us for several years, and I, I was shocked. To be honest with you, I was like, not getting fed here. And so I said, you know, let me ask a few questions. I've learned to rather than overreact, to underreact, and typically uh, I ask questions that help me understand and help me clarify uh, what they're saying. So I said, well, let me ask you a few questions. I said, out of curiosity, how many life classes have you been to in the three or so years that you've been at East Point? How many of the classes we offer on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings? We offer them all the time. They said, oh, none. We haven't been anything. We really don't like the classroom setting. Besides, we're just too busy. So, huh, well, uh, let me ask you another question. How often do you study your Bible at home? I don't mean just pick it up and read it from time to time, but we actually study the Bible. And they said, oh, that doesn't happen very often either. We just have too many family activities, and that really doesn't give us time for that. Uh, we read the Bible, we really don't study it. I said, well, let me ask you another question. Again, how many nonfiction Christian books have you read maybe in the last month, the last you know, three or four or five, six months? And they laughed, and both of them almost simultaneously said, oh, we don't read. We just don't have time for that either. We just, we don't read. And then I said, going a little deeper, I said, well, let me ask you one more question. How many hours a week do you commit to serving others? 
How many hours a week are you giving away what God has given to you for the benefit of others, whether it's a church or in the community, what are you doing? And they got irritated. You could tell it was getting to be one of those moments and they said, well, what does that have to do with our spiritual growth? Yeah, I sighed. I thought, and in my mind I went, seriously? But I said, well, listen, so let me just mirror back for you. It's a listening skill, you know, just to kind of, let me hear, tell you what I think I hear from you. I hear you saying that you only wanna show up on Sunday mornings and you wanna be spoon-fed by a teacher without any additional investment of your time or energy. To say it was a tense moment would be an understatement. That was not a happy moment for them or for me. And they said, well, I don't think you understand us. You just don't, you don't understand where we're coming from. The truth is I do understand. I've been doing this for a long time, but I've heard it too many times from those who think they are mature Christians as they wander from church to church looking for something deeper, the newest, hottest thing, and for more. And here's the real problem, and I'm gonna identify what I believe to be the real problem. They wanted church, meaning their Sunday morning experience, on their terms. And they were unwilling to take personal responsibility for their spiritual growth. And that was evident by the fact that they answered no or they laughed at me with every question I asked. Now, let me be clear about something. Of course, church, the hour on Sunday that we tend to call church, that hour is vital to our growth and it's vital to your growth as a member of the body of Christ. But our objective here at East Point, I need to make this very, very clear. You've been around, you've heard me say this before. Our objective is to help you develop to become self-feeding disciples of Jesus. Self-feeding disciples of Jesus. We want you to grow up. Our ultimate goal is not to produce lazy and overfed Christians who just know more. There's no part of me, and again, I'll be very clear, that wants you just to get more informed. Now, does information matter? Of course. Is knowledge important? Of course it is. Do I want you to grow in your understanding of truth and the word? Of course I do. Knowledge matters, but if you just know something and you don't live something, then that's pathetic. That's very sad. That's not what God has for us. God does not just want you to know more. He wants you to do more, and most of us know more than we do. A lot of us know way more than we actually live and practice in our lives. God wants you, in fact, I say this on a regular basis, it, we want you and God wants you to experience transformation, not just information. Our goal here at East Point, I'll be very clear about this, is not just to make you smarter, though we want you to grow in your smarts. Our goal is not to just inform you more, it's transformation, not just information. We want truly mature followers of Jesus who invest time and energy in their life, in the kingdom, and Monday through Sunday to become all that God wants them to become. So we want you to be self-feeding, that's the ultimate goal. You know, if you've raised an infant or if you've been around little kids, you know that when they're little and you're feeding them, it's a challenge. Sometimes you try to you know, play games, you say, open wide for mama, and you bring the spoon filled with that horrible, have you ever tasted baby food? It's disgusting. You know, here's this squash thing, and I wouldn't eat it, but we're playing train or whatever, airplane, and get him to open up and stiffen in their, you know, in their mouth so they, they can swallow a bit of the food. Of course, they spit half of it out and make a mess of things, but that's how we start with infants. By the time they get to maybe, you know, 18 months, two years of age, hopefully they're eating on their own. They're making a mess still. It's a disaster all over the floor. It's, it's not pretty, but at least they're putting their own food in their face and feeding themselves. But by the time they're teenagers, you really want them to be feeding themselves. You do, if you got a 15-year-old and you're doing this with a spoon, you got a problem. Not good, not good at all. 
The goal is self-feeding. We get that in the natural human world that we want people to mature and grow and you want them to take care of themselves and to feed themselves and address themselves and to be able to, I, I love the day when my, my, my children could drive themselves. I was like, hallelujah. I don't have to be the taxi service. They've got here, take the keys and go drive. We, that's our goal. We want that for people. We understand that in our relationships. Listen, that's what God wants for you in your relationship with him. Our ultimate goal here is to help you become fully mature Radically in love with Jesus, disciples that are self-feeding disciples of Jesus. And so it takes time and it takes energy to get there. I mentioned we're in part four of our series called Life on Mission. And we're gonna take a look at something today that matters to all of us. And it's our purpose, it's the fourth purpose on the wall, our purpose is to grow. All of them are important, love, connect, serve, grow, go. And next week I'm really excited to wrap the series up. I'm gonna talk about going and what that looks like and how that works for us and some exciting news for East Point. But guys, this has to happen. We've gotta grow in our faith. So to make sure we're all on the same page and we all understand the definition, let me give you a very short but important definition for spiritual growth. It's on the backside of your bulletin if you wanna take notes and I would encourage you to do so today. It's the big idea. Spiritual growth is the process. Love that word. It is the process of becoming who you are in Christ Jesus as you take personal responsibility for your development. Let me say it again. What is spiritual growth? You know, we, we make it complicated or really difficult. Now it's this simple. It's you participating. It's you in the process of becoming who you are in Jesus. And I'll explain a bit more about that in a second. As you take personal responsibility for your spiritual growth, for your development. You see, once you become a Christ follower, once you say yes to Jesus, and every week here, three, four, five, sometimes many, eight, nine people pick up a new believer's packet and they start their life's Christ followers. And we're excited about that. And most of you in this room or watching in line, you've made that decision. That moment you said yes to God, you said, yes, I surrender my life. Yes, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Yes, I wanna follow him. I wanna follow Jesus. Yes, the moment you said yes, the Bible says something amazing about you, that you become in that instant perfect before God. Now, some of you think, oh, <laughs> you don't know me. Yeah, I do. I know myself too. I know how big a leap that is for some of us to understand. But here's what you need to know. God sees us positionally perfect. What does that mean? When he looks at you, he sees you through the cross. He sees you through his son. I know it sounds a little weird if you're new to this church thing, but he sees you through the blood of Christ. Ooh. It means that Jesus' blood cleansed us from all, all our sins. And when God sees you, he doesn't see a messed up, broken, sinful person. He sees you through the filter of the cross, through Jesus, and he sees you as perfect in Christ. It's amazing, but that's the way he sees you. Now, how many of you know, though, though we are in Christ, perfect in our position, we got a long ways to go and grow in our practice. Yeah, of course we do. And so that's what the Bible calls sanctification or spiritual growth, the process of becoming. Galatians 3.26, Paul said, you are now children of God because you put your trust in Christ Jesus. I love that. Paul didn't say, well, if you work really hard, if you do all the right things, you finally get it all together, then you can become children of God, you can become one of God's kids. Nope. Paul said to the church in Galatia, he said, you are now, now, children of God. Why? Because you've put your trust in Christ Jesus, because we said yes to him. So we're his kids. But from that point on, and I say this all the time around here, when you say yes, when you become a Christ follower, that is not the finish line, that's the beginning line. That's you engaging now in this relationship with God through Jesus. And it's as we cooperate with him, 
You see, as the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you, the God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. When you become a Christ follower, you now have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, dwelling in you. And as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, then we experience this transformation of our heart, mind, and life to align our practice with our position. I could take a lot more time, I'm just gonna leave it at that, that the work of God, his desire for you, through the Holy Spirit's work in your life and through your participation, through your cooperation, it is a co-op. You're in this with him. And as you work with God, the Holy Spirit, living in you, he helps you, he transforms you from the inside out. Your heart, your mind, your life, to align your practice, your words, your life, your way with your position in Christ Jesus. And that's why Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We are being transformed. See the process? We are being transformed into the image of Jesus from one degree of glory to the next. Paul says, we've begun this journey. We are being transformed. And what are we being transformed into? Into the image of God's son, into the image of Jesus. And it's a process. God is, listen, he is working in you. He is working through his Holy Spirit. But the Bible also talks about the fact that we can hinder the Holy Spirit. We can, we can make it difficult for him to do what he wants to do based on whether we cooperate or not. We can resist, we can hinder, we can stop that work by our choices or we can enhance those, that work of God's uh, spirit in our lives by our choices. And so we absolutely, listen to me, we absolutely play an, a vital important role in the process of becoming. We have to cooperate with God. We have to cooperate with the process. And trust me, I've been doing, walking with Jesus for over 40 years. I get the fact that sometimes it's a step forward and 28 steps back. Sometimes it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that again. Or I said that again. Or I'm struggling with that again. I thought I was so done with that back you know, like in the 70s. But God says it's a process. Just keep moving forward. And we have this vital role to play, cooperating with God, the Holy Spirit, in us. So the question then should be, well, what will it take to grow spiritually, to grow up? There are a dozen things I could talk about. I'm gonna land on what I believe to be the first and foremost two things. These things have to happen. These two are the, the, the core, the foundation for you to grow. And here's the first thing in your outline. Number one, you must be intentional about your spiritual growth. You've got to be intentional about it. I suppose that could be very obvious to some. You might be like, duh. But you'd be surprised how frequently I run into somebody who doesn't value spiritual growth as much as they should. They don't value this. They don't get this. And see, it's my conviction that we rarely, if ever, grow by accident. And like most things in life, it takes intentionality for us to get good at it. For example, let's say you're teaching a child to read. They don't just wake up one day and know how to read. It takes intentionality and practice. They've got to work at it. My grandson Caleb, six years old, and he's, he's been learning to read. And it takes time and effort. And you make some mistakes and you have to sound, I don't care whether you're hooked on phonics or not. It takes time and effort. You've got to get through it. It doesn't just happen. Let's say you've got somebody, maybe it's you or a friend who's really, really good musician or a great athlete. Trust me, they didn't just wake up that day. They may have had some natural ability, but it takes time and practice to become really good. It takes a lot of time to develop those skills. Most of us uh, don't just wake up one morning and by accident we lost 30 pounds. Wouldn't that be awesome? I would love that. I pray for that all the time. God, deliver me of this. Just take it, Lord. I give it to you. I surrender. Wouldn't it be awesome if I just woke up one day and all of a sudden I'm skinny? That would be fantastic. But guess what? It doesn't happen that way. It takes intentionality on our part. We get this. We understand that in the human realm. Why do we struggle understanding that's true in our walk with God? 
To grow up in Christ requires intentional effort, which requires taking personal responsibility. It takes you deciding, a choice on your part. And here's the thing that kills me as a pastor. I can't make that choice for you. Wish I could. I cannot make that. I can challenge you, encourage you. I can, I can fan the flame, hopefully at times, of passion in your heart for God. But only you can decide. Only you can choose to say yes to him. Requires intentional effort. Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 2, verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. It said, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may, here it is, grow up in your salvation. Love this verse. Peter is using a word picture here, one that we've all seen. Even if you don't have kids, you've seen a craving, hungry infant. And what happens when that baby's hungry? Oh my goodness, everybody knows. Everybody within 50 feet knows that that baby's hungry. Give that kid something to eat because the baby doesn't care who, who's around, where they're at. I was in the theater a couple weeks ago and a baby started crying and everybody said, feed that baby. You know, why did you bring that kid to this thing anyhow? But anyway, that's a whole other story. But, but you know when the child is hungry. And Peter uses this really powerful word, crave. Like newborn babies, crave, hunger, be desperate for spiritual milk so that you can grow up in your relationship with God. Again, like the couple I mentioned earlier, too many are not intentional or willing to take personal responsibility for their growth. And here's their attitude, and it's sad, it breaks my heart. Their attitude is basically, well, I've got an hour on Sunday that I'll give Jesus. I'll give God an hour a week, and if, if I don't get what I think I need or what I want, if pastor's not feeding me there during that hour, then I'm gonna try some other hour someplace else. Listen again. This hour on Sunday is important. And at East Point, it's our goal to consistently provide you with life application challenge with meat. And again, I said most of us know more than we do, and so we talk a lot about the hows around here. We deal with the life application. Okay, this is what the Bible says. How do I get there? What does that look like? And today, the how is, well, it starts with being intentional. Sunday morning is important. It is a time of celebration where we experience worship. And I tell you, both services, I'm standing in front and just amazed at hearing you guys behind me and hearing the level of engagement. What an awesome worship set this morning. And just being able to engage with you in worship, that's what we get. That's one of the great joys of gathering together. I sing all the time. Sing or whistle all the time. Ask people around me. They'll tell you. But there's something about doing it collectively in the community that we can experience that's powerful. We gather together to be challenged and encouraged to have, so that we're all on the same page, moving the same direction in unity. The Bible says so much about unity. And so this hour on Sunday is important. But if you only eat once a week, you're gonna starve. If you only take one hour a week to sleep or one night a week to sleep, you're gonna be one very cranky person. If you only take a bath or a shower once a week, nobody's gonna wanna sit next to you when you do show up for church. We get this, we understand that it's, it's something we have to practice, we have to be involved in all the time. You've gotta eat more than an hour on Sunday, guys, that's my point. And so I wanna encourage you, I wanna challenge you, get into a life class. We offer them all the time, Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. We're constantly developing new things. Wednesday night, there's Awana and Epic Youth, and there's programs. There's one starting for marriages coming up. Sign up for that. And they say, well, my marriage is fine. 
Good, then make it sharper. All my marriage, I don't know. Well, good, get it better, get healthier, show up for these things. Get involved in what we offer. We offer EP 101, 201, we're soon gonna offer 301. We offer these classes on a regular basis for you. This isn't because we're sitting around looking for things to do. It's because we want you guys to grow. Get involved in a life class, get involved in a Bible study. Get involved in a life group. Life groups are everyone. Bible says, stop. If you're a, a woman, talk to Teresa. She's got some new things starting soon for ladies. There are plenty of ways for you to get involved to grow in your relationship with God. Find an area to serve in. Last week I talked about our third purpose, serve. And many of you, thank you. Lots of you went on to our Click, Pick, Serve online, the website, or you fill out a form, and a whole bunch of new people start serving. This last week, Tom was in the first service. He came down here, spent three hours buffing floors this week. What a gift. That was awesome. Find an area to serve in, because that'll help you grow. It'll help you engage and become a part of the body. If you need some great book rec recommendations, I am a voracious reader. I read all the time, uh, and I'd love to give you some things. I, what, you know how I get fed? I listen to great teachers on CD or on the radio, and I read like crazy. Get, here's a crazy idea. Get a life application or a discipleship study Bible. So, and read the commentaries. Read the, the notes on the side. Read the stuff on the bottom. Read, study, dig a well in the Word. How many of you like potholes? <laughs> Nobody likes potholes. And some of us, that's what we do. We just dig little potholes in the Word of God. Little dip here, little dip there, and it's not enough. Dig a well, because that's where the living water is found, guys. Dig a well in the Word of God, and you'll get blessed. Be intentional. Make a choice. Make a decision. Be intentional. Take personal responsibility for your growth. Here's the second thing. Number two. You must be persistent in your pursuit of growth, even when, especially when life is hard. Be persistent. Spiritual growth is rarely easy and life is often hard. You can quote me on that if you'd like. True. Spiritual growth is rarely easy and life is often hard. So it will take persistence. It will take lots of time, energy, and effort to get there. It will take a focused commitment and cooperation with God for you to become the man or woman he wants you to become. We've been in this, this whole series. We've been talking about life on mission. Here's the deal. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a destiny for you to fulfill. I, I know. Every time I say that, I know some of you thinking, yeah, not me. You don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know what I'm like. You don't know how stupid I am, how many mistakes I make. You don't know all the sin in my life. I don't, but God does. And I tell you, I promise you, the Bible says he still has a plan for you. And he loves to use fractured, broken, weak vessels because that's when he gets all the credit. God wants to help us become more like him. That's his, that's his plan. But he wants you to become the man or woman to experience the destiny and the purpose he has for you. And I promise you, he's got a destiny, unique destiny for each and every one of us. Something for you to do that nobody else can do in the kingdom. And it matters. It matters to you. It matters to the people around you. And if I could just, I wish sometimes I could just peel back your brain and just pour this passion into your heart to discover the purpose of God for your life, the plan of God for your life, to discover that destiny that he has for you. For you to get there, though, means you've got to be intentional. It doesn't happen by accident. Most of you have heard me talk about the fact that I used to be a runner. I ran, I've run thousands and thousands and thousands of miles. Uh, most of my 20s, 30s, and 40s, I ran a lot. Uh, I can't even know how many, hundreds of 10Ks, 5Ks, a couple of marathons. I mean, I ran a lot. And somewhere along the line, that's why my body has not rejected me. My knees are bad, my back is bad, and I have run for quite a while. But I can tell you this, listen, 
Nobody. I don't care what kind of shape you think you're in. I don't care how often you go to Move Fitness or wherever you go work out or how many miles you walk. I don't care how, you know, think you think you might be. Nobody, nobody gets up in the morning and says, you know what, I'm gonna run a marathon today. Doesn't happen. 26.2 miles. And I don't care, even if you're a runner and you go out and run three days, three, four, five miles, you know, on a regular basis, you're gonna have a struggle to get past that wall, that 18-mile mark or somewhere in there to finish. It, you have to plan. You have to be disciplined. You've got to learn. You've got to, you've got to start small and build, and that's what spiritual growth is like. You're not going to get there overnight. It takes small steps. Spiritual disciplines you've got to put in place. Things like prayer on a regular basis, communion, com- community, and, and conversation with God. Prayer is not just once in a while saying, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub over your food. Prayer is this conversation you have with God. You need to grow in that. The Word, I mentioned getting in the Bible on a regular basis, meditation, fasting. There's so many spiritual disciplines. And I could talk all about that, but those are things that are secondary to you. Making a choice to be intentional and making a choice to be persistent. You've got to develop and maintain spiritual disciplines, but it happens as you decide to grow and say, I'm going to keep going no matter what and I'm gonna develop, and I'm gonna get there over time. You also need to develop and maintain healthy and holy relationships within the body of Christ. We talked about that in week two when I talked about connecting and how important it is, vitally important it is for us to be connected to others. And that takes time and effort. Have you figured that out? As I said in week two, we grow stronger and healthy in relationships. And that's why God put you into a birth family and why he put you into a church family, to help you grow. And families are never easy. If you've got an easy family, come see me because I've never met that person. We all have struggled. We all have challenged. And some families are high D dysfunctional and others are just a little you know, screwed up. Sometimes there's tension. Sometimes there's not. I get that. But no family life is easy. And God made it that way. Intended for you to be in a family so you would grow. He made it that way in the church. He put you here to help you grow. In the context of relationships, we grow like crazy. Proverbs 27, 17. I read it a few weeks ago. It's iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. That's the plan. In community, we grow. Relationships help us grow. Relationships are like resistance training. You push, you pull, you hurt, you grow. You push, you pull, you hurt, you grow. That's the, that's the plan. Quite a few years ago, I used to coach uh, at high school level, cr- cross country and track, and I got a picture I wanna show you. Of, uh, this is not one of my kids, but I used to do this with my kids in track all the time. It's called resistance training. And they, they hook up to a harness, and then they have to drag a weight behind them. We also had parachutes that they would pull. They thought that was a little bit more fun. And then we had harnesses at times and we'd hook them up and they'd have to drag their buddies around the, you know, the field and that made it a little bit more fun. But let me tell you, the kids hated resistance training. It was not like, yeah, let's coach, let's do resistance training. They hated it. Because, why? Because it's hard. It's hard. But forward momentum often includes resistance. It always does at some level. And resistance training makes you stronger. It's that burden, that weight, that struggle that actually makes you stronger. So here's a reality that none of us gets excited about. We humans grow best in adversity. Hello. We do. Nobody ever hears that and goes, that is so awesome. Thank you, Pastor Kerr. I just, God, give me more adversity. Nobody ever prays that prayer. I've never met that person. But here's what James said. James chapter one, verse two through four. My brothers and sisters, think of the various tests you encounter, here it is, as occasions for joy. Yeah. After all, you know that the testing, do you know? 
After all, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Verse four, here it is. Let this endurance complete its work so that you may be what? Fully mature, grown up, fully mature, complete, and lacking nothing. The Bible says it here. It says it consistently, Old and New Testament, over and over again. The struggle, the challenges, they help us grow. And so it starts with our attitude. Are we gonna be people who have a different attitude about the, the fact that it, it takes energy, it takes persistence to grow? If you're gonna say, well, that's just too hard, I can't do that, I don't have time for that, I don't, that's gonna cost me too much, then guess what, you will not grow. But if you say, you know what, I know this is going to be challenged, I know this is gonna cost me, I know this is not easy, I know this is very, very struggling and challenging for me at times, and yet I will embrace it. In fact, I will be thankful for it because I know that's where I grow. It all starts with your attitude. And people who grow, people have a different attitude about hardship and resistance and struggle. And they stay the course. They're persistent. And there are people who even, when they fall, they get back up and keep going because they know that in Christ, failure is not fatal. Our flesh, our bodies, our minds, the world around us, and quite frankly, the enemy, the devil, will fight to keep you static and to keep you from growing. In fact, as long as you, if you decide to just kind of be, quite frankly, pathetic in your faith, to be static and to not grow, the enemy's gonna leave you alone. So will the world. But if you make a decision to be a radical, revolutionary follower of Jesus who's all in, maybe not all there, but all in, then I can promise you it won't be easy. But remember this, your growth comes through that struggle. And your growth is first and foremost up to you. Will you persist when life is hard? Will you choose to cooperate with the process of growth or not? Will you be intentional about it? And will you take personal responsibility for your spiritual growth? And if you're thinking, no, then I have to ask you, if not, why not? Because again, what I need you to hear, please hear this. This is not just a, you know, a pastoral spanking. This is me hopefully breathing hope through the Holy Spirit into your hope, into your life. God has a plan and a purpose for you. He's got something that's gonna blow your mind, blow your socks off. It's a great destiny that he has for each and every one of us. But to get there, to get there requires perseverance. It requires intentionality. It requires persistence. It requires sometimes embracing the struggle so that we can become what God wants us to be. We all have a life that God wants us to live on mission. But to get there, we've gotta go deeper and we've gotta grow. And so what are you doing to grow? What are you doing to grow? What are you doing now? What will you do tomorrow? What will you choose to do to help you develop? Is your life gonna be a life on mission or life as is? And again, you decide. One last story and I'm done. And uh, we're gonna take one more song to worship and um, we'll wrap this up today. But guys, I got a friend, her name's Tammy. Tammy's in her 30s and uh, quite a few years ago she came to me and she said, Pastor Kurt, I don't feel like I'm really growing. And, I kind of feel apathetic in my, my faith. And I probably preached a message like this and she came up to me and said, I, I just, I feel challenged, but I just, I, I don't know. There's just no fire in my soul. I mean, I, she can't use different, different ways of describing the fact that she didn't feel like she, she was going anywhere, that she was static in her faith. And I said, well, why do you think that is, Tammy? Why do you think that's happening? And she didn't miss a beat. She said, oh, it's my husband's fault. <laughs> I said, oh, well, tell me more about that. 
She said, well, you know, he doesn't love Jesus. He doesn't go to church. And every Sunday I get up to go to church. He gives me grief. He yells at me. He thinks I'm stupid. Every, Sunday, every time he sees me reading my Bible, he makes fun of me. I mean, every time I even talk about God or if we're at a restaurant, I stop. And I don't make him pray, but I, I just bow my head to pray over my food. He's, he's being a jerk. So it's, I'm not growing. It's, I'm, I'm static. I really feel like I'm struggling because my husband isn't helping me grow. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I, I know it's great to have a partner. That would be awesome. I said, but here's my suggestion, Tammy. Why don't you decide to be intentional about your growth? Why don't you decide to persist even when he's resisting, to get through it, to keep growing, and see what God does? It's about 18 months later, thereabouts, because she talked to me just before Christmas, and it was like summer, a year and a half later. She came up to me, she said, I cannot believe what's going on. I said, what, what? She said, you know what you talked to? And I said, yeah, I, I sort of remember. She said, well, nothing really changed in my husband, but everything changed in me. And I, and I started to make some decisions and I started to persist and I just started to grow. And just this last week, 18 months, guys, just this last week, my husband says, hey, Tammy, I think I'm gonna go to church with you soon. She's blown away. Never, ever, 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 ever thought she'd heard those words out of her husband's mouth. He showed up. I said, when he does show up, don't make a big deal out of it. Don't bring him up to me. Don't drag him up to meet the pastor. That'll freak him out. Just, just come. Sit in the back, kind of late, leave early if you want. I don't care. And he came. And then a few weeks later, he came back again. And then a few weeks after that, he came back again. And then he started coming on a regular weekly basis. And I don't remember, it was two or three months into it where her husband, Phil, finally gave his life to Jesus. He became a Christ follower. Now, listen carefully to me. I cannot promise you that you'll always have that happy ending because now she's got the partner she longed for. But what I can tell you, what I can promise you is the path to getting there has a lot to do with you. Because here, if you ask Phil, what happened? Why did you change? You know what he would say? I saw a change in my wife. And I saw God in her, and I wanted to be like that. I saw Jesus in her, and that's what drew me. Guys, we have to take personal responsibility, even in the midst of struggle. Even when people are saying, don't stop, you're stupid, why would you do that? We keep, stay, stay the course and pursue growth. Intentionality, persistence, because it matters. But I have something to pray for you. Jesus, thank you for modeling for us what it looks like to uh, grow disciples. You, you called people to follow you. You invited them into the process. And with the 12 guys and the, the 70, the, 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 the people around you, you invested your life in them, and you took time to do that. And they grew, Lord, and I'm so grateful. I just, I always think about how you must have looked at those guys at the beginning, and you, you, Nobody saw what you saw in them, but you saw great potential. Peter, James, and John, you saw what they could become. And so you called them to the process of following you. You said, come and follow me. You said that, Jesus, because you knew it was a process that would change them and help them discover what God had for them in their life. And I just pray, Lord, today that you would, uh, again, speak Holy Spirit to our hearts, call us to follow you. Some of us have been kind of ride in this fence for a while. We've been, we've been showing up, Lord, but we really haven't been going deep. Help us today decide to grow, to grow deeper in our faith and our walk with you so that we can become all that you want us to be. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. And you've heard me say today that this is the beginning. This is an opportunity for you to begin your journey as a Christ follower. It's not the finish line, it's the beginning. But if you're here today and you know, man, it's time for me to say yes. It's time for me to surrender. It's time for me to believe that Jesus died for me and he lives for me. And you're ready. 
I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'll never single you out. But if that's you and you're ready today, I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer. And this is an opportunity for you to make that choice, that, that yes to God by making this prayer yours right now. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. I get it, he died for me, my sin. And I embrace what Jesus did for me on that cross. And I can hardly believe it that, that you love me, that you want me, and that, that now as I give my life to you, you see me perfect in Christ, perfect in Jesus. I want that, God. And I wanna grow, and I wanna become the man or woman you want me to become. And so right, right now, in this moment, I surrender. My life, my all, my past, my present, my future, it's yours. I surrender, I say yes, and I embrace what Jesus did for me and that, that he loves me and, and I declare my love for you right now. Father, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Now if that's you, in your own way, just say, yep, God, that's what I want, that's what I need, that's my prayer. The Bible says that moment you do, you become his child, you're his. Lord, thank you for those making that decision right now here in this room or online. Thank you for those that are choosing to say yes to you. Show them what it means. Show them what you're going to do. And give them hope for their future like they've never had before. But for all of us, God, let us leave here today choosing to follow more, better, deeper, to grow. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with one last song. It's one of my favorite songs. I love this song. But I'm asking you to engage as as uh, you express your love and your, your passion for Jesus. Let's worship and I'll come back and wrap it up. I was just thinking about those words that he's our breath in our, in our lungs and it struck me, yeah, but we gotta breathe. He can be that breath. He wants to be that life in us, but we've gotta breathe. And that's what I'm challenging you today to do is just breathe deep. Breathe deep, go deeper. Today, if you begin your life's Christ follower, let somebody know. I said it, I'll say it again. It's the beginning line. We want to walk with you in this journey. Uh, on the uh, tables by the doors, there's some baskets with plastic bags. Got some uh, material, Bible. Get you started your walk with Jesus. Pick one of those up. You're watching for our next uh, uh, New Believers class and our baptisms. And those are coming up. We want you guys to get involved, to grow. If you're uh, new today, or if this is the first time or a few times that you've been here and you want to pick up, it's just our gift to you. We've got my book, Epic Grace, the information counter out of the lobby. That's free. Just pick one of those up, take it. Uh, prayer team will be down front. Communion's available always on both sides of the room. And I want to just, here's my benediction. Here's my prayer. This week, go grow like crazy. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. See you next week.